Hi, I'm Sung Ray. I'm something else. Here at Black Girl Soul, a podcast where we discuss the Asian dramas we love from a Black female perspective. We are looking to be entertained, to learn about other cultures, and share our passion for these shows. Welcome. Hello, everyone. This is Black Girl Soul. We are back to discuss the series Pachenko on Apple TV+. We are now talking about episode two, um, about a show that we are enjoying a lot so far. Take it away, Sungray. We also have with us our guest, Natasha, who is our, what are we calling her, the resident reader? Yes. (laughs) Resident reader. So she'll be sharing details as well. All right. In episode two, we open up with us learning about, and I think they might have left us with like a vision of Kanhan with uh, Kohansu at the end of episode one, but like not, no way do we know who he is or what's going on. But now we're meeting him and he is played by Imen Ho. Because I am a big Imen Ho fan. So he's played by Imen Ho. And basically we are learning that he has come to be like some kind of ruler over the the district fisher broker the fisher market that they're in um and that uh son just family like lives nearby and that's basically where a lot of their monies and things are coming for that town too he's coming to run it and he's running it for some japanese man um he's there and as things are going on you know he has a ruthless and a hardcore nature about himself and how he does things. Uh, Sanja gets to see it herself as she watches him. And I think she just might've witnessed it because of a situation that was going on and she saw it and, you know, she moves away from it, but then she begins hearing girls in the neighborhood swooning over him and talking about him. And, you know, she too has noted, who is this guy? Nothing major, but just, you know, who is this guy? He, however, notices her and he's noticing her for, I'm assuming he's interested. Um, He's watching how she moves. He's watching how she, again, we talked about this in episode one, but how she uh, is not bending and yielding to the Japanese as they pass. Um, The way she deals with people, dealing with money and uh, her own way of dealing with getting, uh, what is it, trade, not bartering. There we go. Her own way of bartering as she's uh, shopping and things like that. The two of them have a whole situation that goes on um at the same time we're dealing with solomon who has gone to some wedding and he's just learning about companies and families things like that and so he's gotten invited to this wedding and at this wedding deals with meeting um minister of finance and the minister of finance asks him about his blood type his boss at the japanese office is an American and he's confused about what's going on. So as Solomon breaks it down and explains what's going on, you know, he becomes a little confused and trying to figure out why is there still issues? Why are you all still holding on to that? Let's move on and move on. It's about making money. So you get to kind of see where people are and what kind of things they're dealing with. We see the Kohansu and Sunja, they've begun to build a relationship because she goes to the market. Some men try to rape her and he steps up and saves her. And in him stepping up to save her, she's able to kind of see him in a different light. And he forces them to apologize to her. He even gives her a ride back to the her side of the town on the ferry. And in that, she sees blood on his sleeve and she offers to wash his clothes for him. So this opens up the door for them to have more meetings later on. When she does wash it, he comes back and says, well, I want to come some more and, you know, sit with you while you're washing and I can help you out. And he does. He winds up helping her wash clothes, helping her do other things that she's doing. And he's teaching her about the world because he begins showing her like a hand drawn. It was funny because I was like, I don't understand. (laughs) A hand drawn map to, you know, explain to her different parts of the world. We're learning that Solomon's grandmother has been taking care of their aunt, her sister-in-law, I think. I got a little confused on who that was and we could talk about that later. But she's taking care of another elder in the family and what that's like and what she's dealing with as well as Solomon goes to meet this landowner to talk about this money. And as he goes to meet the landowner and talk to her and try to tell her why she should sell this land, he is shut down cold. She is not trying to hear him. She is not dealing with him. And he doesn't really know what to do in order to get himself back in order for that. He's also gotten a chance to hear about a girl that he 
I guess, loved back in the day. I could not catch on to who she was, so I'm going to ask someone for that, too, so we can get those details. Oh, so we meet his father and his father's, I'm assuming it's his father's wife. I'm not sure if that's a second, like a second marriage, but I'm not sure if it's his wife or if it's just his girlfriend. We meet them, and the girl that Solomon loved is the woman's daughter. That's who she was. So, okay. All right, anybody want to add anything before we break through deeper discussion? I do. (laughs) So the actor who plays Kohansu, you said his name is Lee Minho? Lee Minho, yes. Even help. Okay. So I never watched Korean shows or movies. I didn't know who he was. And I looked him up because I really enjoyed the book. And I was like, oh my gosh, I want to see who plays Kohansu. I have to see who plays Kohansu. And I look him up and I see him and I'm just like, he is too pretty. I'm like, no, he is not a good Kohansu. I was so upset. And my kids listened to some of the book with me. And they were, you know, Kohansu is such a big character in the book. I said, look at who's supposed to be Kohansu. And they're just like, what? No way. Because he's just, again, I didn't know the actor. So I didn't know how he could be transformed. I didn't know what type of characters he's played in the past. If he could do such a a strong, and I, I hate to call Kohansu a gangster, but just like a, just like a shrewd type of man, you know? I couldn't see that actor playing him. But when I saw it, I thought he did a good job. And I just might be a fan of his too now. Oh, oh my god! Yes. Oh my god! <laughs> Join the party! Yeah! Oh my god! I mean, I was <laughs> when I was looking at his pictures before. I was like, he's too pretty. Look at him! Look at him! Isn't he so pretty? He cannot be Kohansu. <laughs> but now he's a good Kohansu. Lord, you know what? Even how it's gonna be Natasha's gateway drug in the K drama. I think so. He was mine. He was mine. Okay, I just see more. What else is he in? Oh, I will send you a list, girl. <laughs> no, no, no. Don't send her a whole list. Send her something bite sized that she can hang her hat on to. Maybe not the king, but and not boys over flowers. I'm, I don't know. I don't okay, know. well, heirs, heirs, healer, right? Let's just say because I get those two mixed up. We'll we'll get you something that will okay. ease you into, because here's the thing. Even Ho is like the Tom Cruise of South Korea, right? And so he's a big deal. So when I saw he was in there, I was like, oh, wait a minute. And I'm not even a super fan. I'm not. Some Rain might be a super fan. She got the pillow and everything. <laughs> <laughs> she got, I kid you not, she got a pillow or two with his face on it. I'm like, girl, what you do? Kiss him in the morning before you go to work? Like, what? So when you said that, I was like, oh my gosh, it's official. Because you were not even checking for him before you saw him. <laughs> he does have swagger, though. Let's, yeah. And let's Kohan- that. And Kohansu, I don't know if it's clear in the show, but he's a bit older than Sunja. Like Sunja's 15, oh, yeah, yeah. 16, and, and he's, he's almost 30. 30 years old. You know, he's like in yeah. his late 20s. And and the you know, the 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 story goes on and on. You see Sunja as an old person, you're gonna see Kohansu as an old man. I just couldn't see how this actor could be him, you know, like how he could play him, but so far, he's doing a he's doing a good job. So we're gonna see him as an older man later. Like they're gonna meet each other again. Okay, let me stop. Should hey, I, should I confirm or deny this? this? I don't know if I should confirm or deny this. No, no, hold off, hold off. Because I was hoping, I was hoping, given where it's kind of going. Yeah. I was hoping. I, I mean, was you like, can tell just so far he's gonna be a major character. He's a major actor. He's gonna be in the show, so you know he's gonna be there. But I won't tell you since I kind of accidentally spilled it i'm not going to tell you how long he's going to be in the story but he yes he's going to be in the story okay i did not really like the way they introduced him in the show Mm. Uh, i did not okay so in reading the book i had like a um like a soft spot for kohansu he can be like a shrewd person and kind of tough but that's not the first look that we got of him in the book. In my opinion, that's how, that's not how I first saw him. I first see him saving her from those guys raping her. And ah. so that's how I looked at him first. Like, oh, he's helping her. And he, he kind of is like a big brother to her. And he's, you know, walking with her every day, walking her home as like a guard. And so that's how I looked at him. But the fact that they kind of showed him doing his job, like kind of in the in his his business mode first, I didn't like that because then I didn't feel the same way about it. I didn't have that soft spot in the beginning, you know. Okay. 
And that makes sense because I'm going to agree. Had we seen that first, it would have made me look at him different because by the time we got to what happens in episode three, I was like, hmm, okay, yeah, I kind of could have seen this coming because of how he started. But now that changes some things, but okay. Yeah, I haven't seen episode three yet. And I wonder, like, how am I going to feel about how his his character, you know, progresses when he was introduced to me this way in the show? Because in the book, I don't know, I had a soft spot when I first met him, the way they were introduced to each other. Oh, before you all give your next observation, I read somewhere that all the main actors had to audition for their roles, which is super interesting because at least Sunja, the older Sunja, and Iman Ho are pretty accomplished. And so to have to audition was just this interesting leveling of the field that you still have to prove that you can do this work. And it's funny that you say that, Natasha, because Iman Ho has a mixed reputation because of the roles he's chosen in the past and how some of them are very similar and some people might arguably say that he does the same kind of roles over and over again which is what what kind of actor i mean you, i know you said tom cruise like but is he like a romantic guy or is he a pretty boy or what it's kind of like he's a pretty boy who also has done every genre of film and television you know he's he's done fantasy he's done plenty of romance he's, he's done the high school dramas definitely and that's how he kind of came up through the high school dramas. And so one of his infamous dramas is the Korean version of Boys Over Flowers, where he played kind of like this douchebag, but that's the role. Darn near every Asian country has their version of Boys Over Flowers and the guy is always the same. But Eamon Ho has done a number of shows that are along that vein. I mean, I don't know about City Hunter. I would never watch that. And Sung Rae, as I said, is more of a fan than I am. So maybe she can speak to his reputation. I think it's one of those things where people project. So Boys Over Flowers airs. And I guess if you want to say The King Eternal Monarch, fine. But after that, the rest of his stuff is not the same type of typecast that people try to put on him. So City Hunter, it's an action. Legend of the Blue Sea, he is a con artist. He is not a rich boy. He's a con artist professional taste he was a architect who wound up living in that girl's house because he wanted to buy it faith that's a historical drama he's a mm, i can't remember what he was in that one seven first kisses he was in that and then like she said there's a bunch of like older ones but those are literally high school dramas he is high school age he's doing high school dramas but i mean like for the most part there's three dramas and because airs and boys over flower are so huge people try to say he's typecast that's just me, my fanning and seriousness is like, come on, y'all, let's stop and look at the whole breadth of what he's done and not just those two dramas on top of what we've seen since those two. So I have a question since I'm not familiar. When you see him in Pachinko, do you see him as Lee Minho playing Kohansu or do you see him as one of his other characters playing Kohansu or is he Kohansu? Because you know how some actors he's you Kohansu. see him and they're... Okay, good. Because some actors, you know, you think about their characters and that's who they are in new movies too, you know, to you in the back in the back of your head, unless they are really stepping out of their their themselves and really embodying the character that they're playing in the thing that they're in, you know? So what do you think something else? It's mixed. I definitely think he's a good actor. Like I think he's above serviceable he's not like a bad actor but as his character unfolds especially the portions i see in episode three which i'm not going to go into i do feel like he is he's not giving off pure douchebag but he's definitely giving off he's in a dominant position to her and i have mixed feelings about it i mean i don't look at the role he's playing and see Eamon ho completely but i see elements that remind me of what he's good at doing. Like he's good at having this swagger. He's good at being charming and having this seductive quality. And he's done that in other places. He's doing what I've seen him do. But one of the interesting things to me was when he did draw that like sad looking map 
talking about the rest of the world and trying to <laughs> and trying to expand out. And, and that was like super interesting to me because I feel that he was like doing some Aladdin type shit. I could show you the world. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> and then she kind of brings it back because he's like, what you think? And she said something that harkens back to the rebellious spirit that she has as a Korean. And I was like, well, she kind of, for all that, we're going to go all the way to America type stuff. She's like, well, back here, <laughs> back at the ranch. Uh, and I forget what she said, but it's like she kind of brought it back. And then it's interesting to me also because we already know, right, based on how this is all structured, that she's going to eventually leave Korea. And it's interesting to me that she's going to have the dream that he also is fighting for, but I don't know if they're going to have it together. You know, it's, it's like she's a small town girl who never thought about leaving. And yet part of her maybe being able to have his dream of seeing the rest of the world or her children seeing the rest of the world is maybe through him. It's just a weird thing. Anyway, what do you all think? I had to, I watched the show with my husband and he's getting into it too. So <laughs> one of the things I asked him was, because I was confused about this when I read the book too, is why is Kohansu so into Sunja? You know, you can see in the second episode that there's this, I guess, prettier girl. I don't, I don't know. I guess that's in the eyes of the beholder, the a prettier girl, like a classier girl, a more worldly girl that, that is interested in Kohansu. So he can kind of have any woman he wants. And he sees Sunja, never talks to her, and is just kind of like taken by her. And when he finally meets her, it's like he's still kind of into her. And so I asked my husband, I was like, why do you think he's so he's so into her. Like he can, he's, he's, he's kind of a fancy guy. He can have any kind of woman he wants. He can have anything he wants. It seems like, why would he want her? <laughs> because in the book, they talk about how she's, she's not supposed to be a pretty girl. She's not like, she doesn't have a cleft lip like her, her dad, but she's not a girl that the boys are, are necessarily after. So, and so I'm asking him like, why, why is he after her? And then he's explaining to me that, and this is something that you noticed in her her um, something else, or was it Song Ray? One of you guys was, was saying that um, Sunja has like this almost regalness to her. You can kind of see her power. You can see her defiance. And so he sees this in her and he's attracted to that. And that's the kind of like the values that he has. And also he reveals to her how he might've been poorer than her when he was growing up. So he kind of sees himself in her and um, in her potential and he's attracted to that and maybe he wants to bring her up to to where he is and say hey look we starting we started down here but we really have so much more that we can strive for and be and that's exciting to him and attractive to him so i don't know how you guys saw his attraction to her were you guys confused by his attraction to her or or could you understand it right away or did you feel like maybe he was preying on a country girl or was sincere about it i think because i took a look at how he was watching her first and the things that they showed us him watching her do like again for me it stands out that she was rebelling she was being rebellious by choosing not to bow down that was a scene where he's watching her, a scene where he's watching her as her, I think, where she was um, bartering with someone about the price and what it should be, just her ways. And like, that's what I noticed him paying attention to. And so for me, it made sense because I'm going, he wasn't necessarily looking and thinking, oh, she's the most beautiful thing out there or, oh, I want, you know, she's causing me to want her. It was her personality that he paid attention to first without having even spoken to her, just the way she did things. That was what he seem to be attracted to and drawn to for me i agree and i think that was a really good question i almost wanted to say an innocence too like maybe he was attracted to that because he's a man who lives yeah. in the world of people he cannot be naive he cannot be innocent in order to survive and so to see that in her and it's not like a blind 
stupid innocence or anything, you know, like it's it's not like she's naive or she's just flighty, but it's like she's grounded within the strength of who she is. And she's not thirsty to be so far out in the world. I think she has questions. It's interesting, but she's not in a weird kind of way. And I don't think it makes sense and it may never make sense. Like maybe that's not where the story goes. In some ways, I feel like she's stronger than he is. And maybe she gets that from her mom and the things that she's seen. But they definitely have things in common, both of them not having fathers or their, or, you know, I mean, she, it sounds like she had a much better relationship with her father than he had with his. And he talked about leaving shadows, you know, behind and coming to face them again. So I think there's this weird thing where he's coming back to a place that, he ran from like he's kind of proving to himself that he's not afraid of those things and then he sees like this example of what could be good about where he was from and Natasha you said he wants to bring that along with him it's like she's almost the and I'm pulling this completely out my ear you know how I am y'all it's like she's the best version in some ways or the example of what he could have been because I feel like he's having to be harder in order to survive and so maybe he's saying oh okay you are like me but I can usher you so that you don't have to be like I am because she could be a hard chick you know what I'm saying like she could be in that world and be like that other woman in red and kind of be like this harder faster chick and she's not so that's all I got to say (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah, I fi- I find that interesting and um and as and as their story like as as the story moves on and you see, you know, the person that Sunja becomes um I guess I could I could kind of kind of see that, you know, like how their story progresses. It's interesting. It it will be interesting. Well, I do know I'm going to say this to something else cuz Natasha, you <laughs> express you don't really watch the dramas but in drama land there's a lot of things that you know what we're used to seeing on american tv they just really don't do in asian dramas the fact that these people had sex in the second episode i was like whoa i was not ready for that either well when i saw the scene i was like is this a sex scene like what is this <laughs> well, yeah, like i know that they do have sex because I read the book. But to me, when I'm looking at it, I'm like, this is this is the most conservative sex. This is like a 1950s sex scene. <laughs> <laughs> like she you see her face <laughs> and you know he's there, but you don't really see. <laughs> so for you coming from watching you guys coming from watching like you know Korean dramas, it might have been a little bit much. I guess, from what they usually do. But for me, I was just like, really? This is a sex scene? <laughs> right? <laughs> yeah, no. I thought it was square in the middle. I lost Doug Ray from bringing it up because I can't do that. It was like, I went, oh, okay, they met somewhere in the middle. Because unless you're watching a Korean movie, you know, and, and they are relaxing their standards a bit, right? Because I'm watching recent dramas and they will show they're showing more but these people have to be in their like 30s for you to see that so this was another place where I was like yeah it's definitely not a Korean produced drama because that scene never would have happened and yeah it was it was somewhat awkward um but then also I kind of felt like it was retro because I'm like back in the day unless until they kind of go to other scenes especially since this is her first time with sex it was not Girl, they was in the woods. They right, was in, it was the in the woods. <laughs> they were in the woods doing what they do. And later on, when when you see them together, she's you know kissing him more and the whole nine yards. So for what it was, I was like, mm. I wasn't taken aback was by the scene being like a uh, scandalous. No, the fact that they were showing a sex scene in episode two, I was just like, whoa, we like it wasn't the one night stand type of deal. This was a you all were bonding and forming a relationship and I'm going, whoa, second, second episode? We doing big things. That was where my mind was. Girl, you've been watching too many dramas, okay? Like, now her sensibility is like, I am scandalized. How dare you? Second episode. I'm like, okay. Like, I don't care. I'm like, 
could have been first episode. It wasn't a big deal to me. They could have shown her parents getting it in. I'd have been like, good for y'all. I mean, they kind of had to do it in the second episode because it's important yeah, and they we, need to get it. Some stuff that needs to happen is in episode three. So yeah, yeah, right. yeah it kind of had to happen. Um, but I was surprised by it. And it wasn't like I wanted to see something more graphic. I didn't really care to see anything more graphic. It was just so awkward. <laughs> it was so awkward that it was just like, are people going to know? And do you know, do you really know what happened until the next episode? <laughs> For us, yes. Because I'm going to say the Korean drama, Asian drama, like the Japanese are a little different now. They show some in their dramas. Koreans, not so much. But I'm going to say, yes, you knew that was a sex scene. You knew they were having. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I didn't love his profile at one point. I was like, "Ooh, dude, you're not a right Yeah. Right, right, right. They didn't do him any favors in that scene. <laughs> None. Maybe that's why they didn't show his face for real, for real. I do want to talk about Solomon's father and Solomon himself, but Solomon's father Wait. and his. What's his? What's the Go father's ahead. name in the show? Because I'm confused. The relationships between Sunja and Solomon and Solomon's father and Solomon I'm confused and I'm just like are they going to reveal something later or is it just is this part just going to be different than the book so Sunja's father is Bake Mazu Mazal okay Mazasu I don't know how to say his name I apologize that, that's uh, Solomon's dad yeah and then like I said the lady because I wasn't sure who she was like is this woman his wife is she just a girlfriend like who is this woman because like it took a minute before i figured out she was with the dad but yeah it was that they you mean hannah's mom yes okay okay so they didn't do a good job of like laying out all of that but i mean i guess some of it was inferencing you inferred and figured out who was who because like i said the lady who the older version of sunja was taken care of i'm going who is she i didn't know who she was now, from what I, from what I remember from the book, the woman that she's taken care of, their husbands were brothers. Ah, Sunja's right. husband and that woman's husband were brothers. Cause she did call her sister-in-law, but like I didn't understand how. Yes, yeah, and hopefully they'll get into to that story, and and why she, this woman's so important, and that woman is like a very important character. So I hope that they get into the story of them. And that woman, and she's like basically like an angel, basically in the book. Oh, right. You could tell that they were very close, so I knew I was lost, but I was like, okay, let me pay attention to this because of how Sunja treats her and does extra stuff and <laughs> puts medicine in her food, trying to sneak that medicine <laughs> in. Yeah, I, I really hope they. I really hope they get into her story maybe they won't during the first season i don't know but it's so yeah, important now that she's... i know we've got different seasons that changes some things but yeah ahead, she's she's a really important character and she's a great character she's like like i said she's almost an angel like you can't she's one of those pure people you know i can see why sunja is taking such good care of her and why she loves her so much right and so, before, before we go on, let's oh, bag yeah. it back a little second because I didn't get to talk about his dad, what I wanted to ask. So, okay, they did a scene where they were showing him at the pachinko parlor, store, place, whatever we want to call it, and he was fixing the machines. Like, he's got that boy he's working with, and he was saying that whoever, I guess, introduced him to the pachinko parlor taught him this way as well. But he was fixing the machines, and not that we don't realize when you go gamble, things are already preset and prefixed for the house. We, I mean, unless you are just green, everybody kind of knows there's already already a fix going on. But like, I was kind of trying to figure out, were they showing us this to show us that Solomon's father is not a good businessman? Like, what was the point of that scene, I guess? I, I don't know. I know, my and my memory is not the best when it comes to the book, because it's been a while since I read it, but I think it was supposed to, to show that, that like, this is what it's taking for him to be successful. And I guess in Japan, the pachinko parlors are run by Koreans and they have a bad reputation. Mm. Like they're, they're looked at as not, not like a scum, but just like, mm, not a respectable 
business. Um, the people aren't looked at as respectable people. They're looked at as crooks. And his father, it, I don't think he's a crook, but he's doing what he has to do to make the money he has to make. And that's just part of the business. So I think they're just showing that he's just, he's doing what it takes. What he's doing is not considered respectable anyway by the Japanese. Yeah, I mean, I got the same impression, but I also got that he, like the guy that he's friends with, I thought was a gangster. And so how he got the business was through a gangster. And now he's in a weird kind of way, not like he's going legit, but it's like he's trying to open that second Pachenko which may be what is in episode three, but I just need to get this one out. And so you see him kind of going to a bank and trying to do things the right way to move ahead. Clearly it's successful and he's making money, but I got the impression that he was looked down upon. And maybe Natasha, you can speak to this. Older Sunja said something about Solomon looking down or like feeling some kind of way about his family. I think it was in the same kitchen conversation where she asked him if he was going to stay or not or something like that. But yeah, I got that impression. He's like a bookie or something. So Yeah, I think you're right. And I mean, hearing you say that is kind of reminding me of some, of some stuff that I've I had forgotten. I think you're right. And I think he's trying to make it more legit and, and get this loan and try to see if he can have this long-term success for his family and be considered more respectable. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I, I think you're okay. right. I may, and maybe the more I watch, cause I haven't gotten into episode three yet. It's going to start coming back to me a little bit more. I know something else you were getting ready to head somewhere, but that was like a pressing question for me. I just wanted to break that down and try to understand. No, no, no problem. I mean, I think, you know, it, there is a little bit of confusion just with the characters as they flow and and then you just have to be patient with the process because as the episodes happen, we learn more and we add more context to some of these characters. So that's why I want to go back to Solomon because um, you know, Solomon like made these big promises based on his Korean heritage alone in order for him to get back to Japan and make this big deal. And it was funny to me that he thought that just money charm and like his heritage would make that deal magically. I was like, you brought a square watermelon to this woman trying to make, trying to make this deal. I think he, I think he was, he was, I mean, I don't, I don't think it was stupid of him to try it. Cause he was just like, you know, this woman's Korean. She's never going to sell to the Japanese. Like I'm your only chance. So I thought that was smart, but she kind of, I think she's looking at him kind of like a sellout too. Like you're working for these people to try to, to try to get me off of my land. I'm not doing it. Yeah. I'm going to have to agree. I, I think she did like give him the eye of, Oh gosh, not, not they sent you to come and try and do this. Cause they couldn't get it themselves. Um, Speaking of which is Naomi Japanese or is she Korean? I couldn't tell the girl who works in the office with him. I think okay. she's Japanese. Okay. And, and you know what, let's speak about Naomi a little bit, because I feel like she's a firecracker and she's really smart, but there's something going on where I guess maybe she had the account before she right. was, and she was updating him and he was like, I already know all this stuff. And I'm like, you know what, you little bowl, even when he walks in the door, everyone like turns to look at him. He has an office, like no one trusts him. No one knows what he's doing there. They know he's a big deal. He walked into a weird situation and then Naomi is looking at him and I don't know what's going on with Naomi and Tom. I'm like, Lord, Tom, you know, you got whole kids and a whole family. What are you doing? Because I wondered if he had like some kind of affair with Naomi, the way they were talking to each other. Or maybe he was, that's when he was telling her, you lost the account. I'm handing it over to somebody else. I do not know. What do y'all think? I don't really remember that scene with her and Tom. But I do know, like, I just kind of was wondering about Naomi's, the reason why I was asking whether or not she was Korean or not was because of how she was functioning. She kind of throwing me off because, yes, 
he was a butthead when she was trying to explain the information and he was like, oh, I don't need, you know, any breakdown. I've already read all the files or whatever. She was like, oh, well, if that's the case, I can just go back to my office then since everybody know what they're doing. But, you know, I've, I've watched her at the what wedding that they had gone to. She always seems to be watching him and like paying attention to him. And so that's why I was just trying to figure out what's up with Naomi? What is, what is her, what's her deal? What's her situation? I'm curious too, and I'm curious about her and Tom because I did see what you saw. Something else, I was like, "What? what? Do they have like an affair, an office affair, or something?" I'm curious. I do not remember Tom or Naomi from the book. That doesn't mean they weren't there, but I don't remember those characters, so I'm not sure that they were there, or if I have any other insight on on them. But I, I think she's Japanese. I think I'm not sure that Solomon would be working for them if he was in Japan. I think that he probably got the job in the United States because um, I don't know that they would have hired a Korean in Japan. Exactly. Exactly. Because I think that that's like some kind of, uh, yet again, it's like an undercurrent of the occupation like reverberating through time. So it's like he's an oddity in that he he might not have been there. He might have been one of those guys at a desk if he was lucky to get in there. And so there's that. But also, for example, at the wedding, remember Solomon saw this Japanese dude that he had gone to school with. And the Japanese dude made some kind of crap back in the day about how Koreans eat. And Solomon remembered that. And the guy like brushed it off, but you see that the head of the company or whomever that guy was, head of finance or whatever, walked over to that guy's table, was extra friendly, treating him well. But when he sees Solomon, the first thing he's asking low key is, are you good enough to be here? Can we trust you? So it's like you see what Solomon had to deal with even when he was young. He had to deal with a certain level of discrimination because of his Koreanness as a child or as a teenager at least, and he's still having to brush that off in order to succeed. I noticed, and I'm hoping that they get more into, they have to, I mean, with four seasons, they have to get more into Solomon's upbringing from when he was born up until, you know, he's an adult because, I mean, it's dealt with and him meeting his friend, it all is part of the story. So yeah, it's funny that you caught it, and I hope that that's not all they're going to give us, like these little hints of his past. I hope they actually show some more of his past, of his upbringing. The only other thing I wanted to touch on was Hannah. Okay, so I'm just going to throw out my theory. I think Hannah is sick with some kind of disease. Uh, I'm just shooting for the stars here, but I'm thinking something like maybe AIDS or something severe. The reason I'm saying this is because when he was talking to her, how she's coughing and going on, um, she kept talking about being in a dark place. She didn't want to be found. Her whole conversation was just real, real odd and odd. But she did say that she was seeing him because she asked about the girl next door. So she kind of lets him know that she sees him, which was weird to me because I'm going, so where would she be? So if you look out the window behind him, because of course that's what I do. <laughs> You look out the window behind him, there's other tall buildings, and I wondered was one of those a hospital. So I kind of wondered, okay, is she in the hospital with some like severe illness? And this is her calling him now because, you know, she's at that point of life. What did you all think? Girl, yes. I thought she had AIDS too. I'm like, 1989? And you hiding from your family? And they said that she worked at Soapland? which could be anything, but sounded kind of bad because her mama started crying in the taxi. So I was like, girl, you were hoeing in them streets, you got AIDS, and now you can't go home to your family. Like, that's just what I was thinking. Break it down, Natasha. <laughs> so yeah, so Hannah is a big character too. And because this show is not chronological, we don't know who she is, but we should know who she is by now in this part of the story. I'm not going to tell you because I feel like it's going to be a big reveal in the show. So I'm not going to say who she is in the book. And she may not even be the same character exactly in the show. But yeah, her and Solomon have history um, from when they were younger. I mean, they're not that old at this point, but when they were younger, 
what I can say is that her and her mom are Japanese. So I don't know if this is going to come out in the show, but she is frowned upon for even being with a Korean man, for, for Hana's mom to be even be with a Korean man. But she's supposed to be really pretty. Both of them, the mom and the daughter, were supposed to be really, really pretty when they you know, were introduced into this family and had like all this potential. And because the father was, you know, successful and kind of rich, she's like, I don't care. I'm, I like him and he's got money, so I'm going with him. So that's going to all play into it. I hope they they show it. But I think you guys are on the right track with Hannah. I'll say that. Okay. Okay. Yeah, because I mean, I was like, the minute she started coughing, I was like, 1989 and hiding from her family. And then it's just like the way the that whole conversation. The detective, Right. The whole well, well, the whole conversation, yes, but also the way that the detective didn't want to talk about where she was or what she was up to in front of the mother. So that's what made me go, okay, she's in them streets. Which detective? I don't remember a detective. Am I blurring into episode that three? That might somehow? be three. Yeah. Oh, Maybe because I don't remember him in episode two. Okay, I just remember the phone call. There was the phone call. I remember the right. mom asked Solomon about him and and then she called, but I don't remember a, a detective. Yeah, that, that has gone on. Mm-hmm. Okay. <laughs> well, you know what? Let me apologize to all the listeners and <laughs> because it won't happen like this in the future because we'll be watching episode by episode, right? So we, we won't get confused like this anymore. It's not the kind of series I would necessarily watch. It's the kind of series I would respect, but it's not the kind of series I would necessarily watch because you all know I skew towards either science fiction or romance or I'll do some law and order type series, but this is different and it can touch your heart differently. It can make you think about things differently. So I appreciate that Sungray and Natasha were interested in the drama and kind of encouraging me to watch it. I sure hope that the show has some success. I'm not sure how popular the book was, but it was popular enough for it to be a book club choice. And I am subscribing to Apple TV for this show. So uh, I'm hoping that it'll be successful. I'm excited about it. I I really love how they're doing it so far. I mean, it's kind of weird that it's not in chronological order, but I get it for TV. It's better this way. And the acting is great, and the cinematography is really good. So, I'm excited. I'm I'm glad that there's going to be four seasons. And I'm going to agree. This was a best-selling novel that, yeah, had lots of fans prior to the concept of it becoming a TV adaptation. Then the TV adaptation, when it came about, it was a big stir because of the different actors that they have in there from the various communities. So. She was in Parasite. That was the name of the movie. I apologize. But you got actors from from movies like Parasite, Minari, Squid Game, who are in this. You have actors who are, you know, world-renowned in other places. So this just kind of was a big success. People were really interested and excited to see it. And I'm with you. I paid for Apple TV subscription. Was not trying to. But after episode two, it was like, yeah, no, you're going to pay or you ain't watching. So I had to. <laughs> um. I've been waiting for this for quite some time. And like I told you, I'm a big Eamon Ho fan. So yeah, this was right up my alley. So I definitely, you know, was pushing like, come on, something else. We got to watch this. <laughs> Do the two of you who have been into, you know, not just Korean dramas, but like Asian dramas and TV shows for a long time. Do you feel like, you know, with Netflix having different types of shows from different types of countries available to American audiences and probably audiences all over the world. Do you feel like there's a popularity growing? Um, because like I'm new to it all and maybe Pachinko is going to get me into it. Like now I want to see more even whole shows or movies. Do you guys see not just from, you know, from my interest, but maybe people who follow you that there are more newcomers um, yes, yes, and yes again. The pandemic is what did it. Like a lot of the people, when we're in these different social media groups, talking to folks, uh, interviews I watch or interviews we're on, 
all kinds of places and things that I'm seeing, it's a lot of pandemic watching. So folks were watching TV through and through the pandemic and found varying shows. There are some that blew up, for instance, like Squid Game that were so big that, you know, other people jumped in. So like, I have family members now who call me and have you seen this one? Yeah, I saw that one. Have you seen this? Yeah, I saw that one. And it cracks me up because it's all new to them and they're all excited and brand new and, you know, into it. So they're asking me or or they'll say, oh, I've seen everything. And I'm like, yeah, no, you've got a whole nother section of stuff you have not seen because it's only going to show you based upon what you've looked at. So that's how Netflix functions. But because we've been there since the beginning almost with this Netflix thing, like I'm not going to say the exact beginning, but I know when I first began realizing Netflix had Asian dramas, there weren't a lot, but their database, what do you call it? Something else there. Their list. library. There you go. Their library has grown tremendously. I guess over the past what five years. Um, definitely. Yeah, definitely five movie. years. It's like Netflix used to do this thing where, um, maybe ten years ago or something like that, where it was like you you would get movies, but you didn't have like dramas. You didn't have like television shows. You had American ones, but not elsewhere. And so they've kind of grown to this place where they were showing dramas and they realized, oh, okay, we need to amp it up. So then they worked out a deal. And um, Sungra and I have talked about it ad nauseum in other episodes about like the deals that they set up so that they are now producing new content. So when you see something like Apple TV, Apple is not late to the game, but they're, they're definitely like dragging a little bit behind because Disney has gotten into the hustle. And you know, right there, let's stop because at least Apple TV realizes keep it global. Disney's special tales ain't figured that part out yet, so they don't apply. Right. Do you guys? Right. Do you guys feel like the quality of these shows is going up or going down? You know, because I know in when trying to appeal to a wider audience, things may change. So, do you guys feel like over time, like through the years, that the quality of these shows is getting better or or not? Well, you know what? It's kind of a mix because it depends on the country. Like, it's not all uniform. So, Korean dramas tend to be the gold standard at this point because they, I think even their government invests in these dramas, invests in making good dramas. And they're not all equal, but they've definitely gotten better and they definitely make some attempt to have, I mean, and, and that's a lot of the East Asian countries. They always make an attempt to include some level of otherness and that otherness tends to be white people, but every once in a while I'll be a black person <laughs> with mixed results. Um, and, <laughs> and that's a whole other conversation, but I think that they, the, the quality has gotten better. Now I will say this, Pachenko is a different feel. It has Asian actors, you know, Japanese, Korean, but it is an American production. So I don't know how to explain the difference, but it is not a K-drama. It's not... A J-drama. Right, it's not a J-drama. So when you watch another Even Home television show, it's going to feel different. Just like the Korean ones have a different feel from the Japanese ones. The Japanese ones are sillier in some ways and yet more introspective in other ways. Um, so there, so this, this, uh, Pachenko feels like a long movie. It's a different feel. I can't f- fully, um, explain it. Maybe some Ray can speak to that. No, I don't have any wording for that. I agree with you totally that it is a different feel. You can't call it a K drama. You can't call it a J drama. It's, it's an Asian drama, I guess, but it's an American made Asian drama and it just doesn't feel the same. It's not necessarily a bad thing or a, a good thing it's just different okay that's but interesting the, but the quality is there you know it's like anything else like if you're watching american shows no two shows are going to have the same kind of quality it, it sounds super weird to say it but i tend to notice the quality of a a drama like a korean drama even within not even comparing against any other country 
by how well the sets are. Like if they say the guy is a millionaire, but the set, his office looks broke down or his bedroom <laughs> looks broke down. I'm like, oh, okay, it has low production value, you know, right? You know, it's like, they're, they're not all the same in that way, but they're all kind of rising, you know, the high tides and all that, that phrase, they're all kind of rising a bit because they're being seen more. So you'll notice that like, if you watch Netflix dramas, they're going to look better. They're not going to be like the, the cheap old drama that you, you could just throw away. You could just see anywhere The the Netflix dramas are going to look a little bit better than what you see on some other media streaming site like Vicky. But Sung Wing may notice other things because she watches way more and she also watches the reality shows. Mm. So, And I mean, again, I don't have anything much more different to add because I agree with the fact that quality of production kind of is based upon who has the, the big old muscle financially. And that's what's going on. So like one of the things I was uh, in a, I'm in a K-drama like book club, but it's a drama club. But in which way we talk about different dramas and we're talking about 25, 21, right? 25, yeah, we're talking about 25, 21. And that's a drama that is on Netflix, but it is a Netflix, like it's produced in Korea. There's a Korean company that airs it, but it also airs for the national audience to see the not national global audience to see net on Netflix. So it has the the smoothness, the crispness, the all the money and all the elbow thrown behind it. Where if like it were a Vicky drama, I'm watching a Vicky drama, still looks clean, looks looks crisp, but it's just not quite the same because it's not Netflix. Okay. So a company so a Vicky a drama that you want, would see on Vicky is if you were to go to the home country of the show, you'd see it on TV. Kind of, but now Vicky is still the same. It's like a streaming service that pulls from the home country and they make deals with them, but people want the Netflix deals in the story. Though that's the one you want. You want the Apple TV deal, you want the Disney deal. But like Vicky, that's you know, a little smaller thing. They have one called uh what is it? IQIY. Right. Something else. That one is another like smaller company. They do mainly Chinese, but they'll pull in some K dramas here and there. Mm. Um, yeah, so it's almost like country in some ways. Like you, you'll see the gradients in in like within country, but like a Chinese drama is very different from a, a South Korean drama. <laughs> you know, it's like <laughs> the the quality is very different. So. Mm-hmm. Because, like, even the Thai dramas, I'm watching some Thai dramas Ooh. right now <laughs> and watching them on YouTube. That's where they're being aired because there's nowhere else, you know, that has, I guess they don't have the, they're not weighty enough to be able to be pulled by other country or other groups. So Netflix is who's airing them. They're doing a decent job. I can't say they look horrible, but it ain't the same. It is not the same. Mm-hmm. So, but yeah, I mean, um, well, we I, we look forward to like indoctrinating you, Natasha, <laughs> <laughs> and then you can come on and talk more about other dramas. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm. It may just happen based on how I feel about this one and some of the reality shows that I've seen. Um, how do you guys watch these shows? Do you prefer to watch them, or do you even have a choice to watch them dubbed or subtitled? How do you watch them? No dubbing, no dubbing, no dubbing. I prefer subtitles. I, I hate dubbing. That's just my personal. Well, you know, it's interesting because, well, let me say this and then say that. So back to the previous conversation, I'm not surprised that Eamon Ho is part of this drama because of his caliber. I think that that mattered, um, that they had, like when they had a Korean actor, that they had like a big name. So I'm not surprised by him. But to speak to the the dubbing, I I didn't realize until like episode two that that dubbing was an option for the show. And when I listened to a a little bit of it, because I'm like Sung Rae, snobby about subtitles, I much prefer subtitles to hearing dubs. And when I heard it, I was like, oh, you know, like 
okay, mm, this is uncomfortable. But also I realized that that dubbing is what may bring in many more viewers beyond just subtitles. Like some people just dislike a subtitle. So I appreciate that the dubbing exists just to help with the popularity of the show. Mm-hmm. I'm watching it. I started off watching it subtitled, but I'm wa- I am watched it dubbed the first couple episodes because I'm not always looking at the screen. Like I have to, I may look away or something to do something and then I don't want to miss anything. So I've been watching it dubbed. And the interesting thing, if you haven't, um, I don't know, Songray, you're probably watching t- watching it in original form. But in this one, all the Korean is spoken in English, the Korean parts, are, but they don't dub the Japanese parts. You have to read the Japanese parts. So it's like the base is Korean for the show, I guess, because right now we're in Korea. But if anyone is speaking Japanese, those parts are not dubbed. They're They're subtitled. I find that very interesting. Yeah, I may watch it if if I have a chance to just sit and watch the whole episode without being busy. I may watch it completely in the original form and just read the subtitles because they have Korean subtitles I think are in yellow and Japanese subtitles are in blue. If yes, you're watching it in the original mm-hmm. form, yes. But if you're watching it dubbed, you only really have the blue subtitles because the Korean parts are in English. And also, I don't know if you noticed this, something else is that I guess to show Solomon's being in this like dual world, even though he's more Japanese than Korean, if he's speaking Japanese, he may throw in some Korean words, or if he's speaking Korean, he may throw in some Japanese words. And I wouldn't have known that if I wasn't watching, watching it and like reading it, like they'll have blue and yellow in the same line. So yeah. that you know that they're throwing both languages in there. Wow. So I had a question for you because yes, it did happen a few times I saw that, but I have a question for you, uh, Natasha, because you're multilingual as well. But the reason I thought that was interesting is I am a fan of a a K-pop group and the K-pop group has two members, one who lived in America for a little bit of time and the other one who is American. So they'll speak English to each other sometimes, but even though they're speaking English, in between the English, you might catch them throwing Korean and the guy who's American, his family roots are Thai, so he'll throw Thai in sometimes too and they'll they'll talk in all three languages and it just cracks Mm. me up like, what possesses you to switch from one to the other in mid-sentence like that? But I wanted to ask since you two are multilingual. How does that work? Like, have you ever had that occur? That has occurred. I don't know how you decide which words you switch on. You know, like I, I remember, you know, I lived in France for a short time and I was friends with a lot of American females and we would speak English to each other most of the time, but every once in a while we throw some French word in there. And I don't know why we did that. And I don't know how we chose which word to throw in there. But yes, that does happen to people. And it does happen to people who aren't even native speakers of the language that they're intertwining with their own native language. Do you think that they do that because that is the word that most represents what they're feeling? Like It could be. I was hoping to think of an example so I could maybe have a reason behind, you know, why that particular language was chosen for whatever particular word, but I can't think of a good example on the spot right now, but it could, it could be, it could be that, you know, that's just, I don't know, emotionally, that's, that's a word that resonates more in a particular language or like culturally, like if it's a, a trendy thing to say in one language, but not as trendy to say in another, maybe they throw it out there in a different language, you know, I don't know. Well, you know, it's it's interesting because when we watch Korean dramas, I'm not sure about Japanese dramas, but with Korean dramas, more and more they throw in English words. And that is to signify kind of that they're cosmopolitan and that they are, I think they do it in Japanese dramas too. They, they, um, do. they do. But to, to show that they are kind of global in mm-hmm. their outlook. So they do that. So that's what I'm trying to figure out about Solomon, what that signifies, because I think that's a big deal that he betrays, if you will, it's a bad word, but I'm going with it. He betrays his Korean heritage. He could be Japanese passing, right? Because he grew up in Japan, but he purposely uses Korean words. 
And so then now the flip I could see because he's Japanese, I consider him so far based on only like three episodes. I think of him as a Japanese man with a Korean heritage. So I could see growing up that he was taught Korean and it's seemingly a big deal that he speaks Korean. When he met the the old lady for the first time, the woman they're trying to get to sell, that she was surprised that he spoke Korean because her kids didn't speak Korean. And she even said something about like, they don't know the language that their mother dreams in. And I was like, ooh, that's a nice yeah, I thought that was the yeah, yeah. Right. Yeah. And so he's, I can see how he would speak Korean to his grandmother, but maybe throwing a little bit of Japanese. But the fact that he's going around speaking Japanese and throwing in some Korean, I'm like, is that a quiet rebellion like Sunjell used to do? Like, is he quietly rebelling against kind of Japanese assimilation? Like, when I noticed I it, know. though, That's interesting. I noticed it because he was talking to his grandmother and threw in some Japanese. I didn't pay attention to him. I, it, uh, Natasha, you would have to speak to that. I didn't pay attention to Solomon speaking Japanese and throwing in Korean. Yeah, I wasn't paying attention to that part either in that direction. Because like you, I noticed more where he was speaking Korean and he would throw in some Japanese words. But And, and he could have. I just wasn't really paying that close attention to the coloring of the words too to see like oh he's throwing in some korean with the japanese i don't know right so if we don't know definitively especially when they immediately call his allegiance into question i would feel like that is a very bold move to make depending on who he's talking to there you go there you go i think it would depend totally on who he's talking to so if i'm talking to let's say it's him and hannah talking and he threw in some korean while talking to her i wouldn't think anything of it but if he did it at work or if he did it you know somewhere else that would be a little bit different but i think it totally depends on who he's talking to when the finance guy at the wedding asked him his blood type, I wasn't 100% sure if he knew he was Korean and was trying to figure that out or if he was letting him know by asking the asking the question that I know you're not Japanese. Like I wasn't sure. What Do you think that he knew that he was asking a Korean or do you think he was trying to like fish it out of him to get it confirmed? I think he knew he was asking a Korean. Okay. That's me, but what do you right. think? Right. So? And tell me this, Sunray, because I always know, like, South Koreans to be concerned about blood type, but I haven't heard, I mean, we don't know, like, all the Japanese culture, maybe it's a thing, but I didn't know that was a thing, maybe, for Japanese. So, I didn't look at it as the Japanese guy really wants to know his blood type. I kind of looked at it as, hey, I'm trying to ask you a Korean type thing, and that's why he stumbled for a bit, and then he gave his blood type. So, mm. so are you saying it in the sense of you think too he was fishing to see if he was Korean? I think old dude was letting Solomon know, I know you, I see you, I know your heritage. Mm-hmm. Okay, okay, and that's how I perceived it as well. Like I'm asking you that question because one, as we know, and as you've stated in Korean culture, we've realized that's something that they pay attention to, and that they, you know, like it's just like the what is your what is it, INFJ, those personality types. They keep up with that. They keep up with blood types. So those kind of things, I could under, I understood that to be the questioning. But I think for me and what threw me off was, was he expecting Solomon not to answer? Was he expecting Solomon to say, oh, I don't know? Like, what was he expecting to come from Solomon? Because it was a weird question, just in a fishing sense. Yeah, and that's why I was confused. I, I, so I thought, okay... Either he's asking the question because he knows it's a typical Korean type of thing to be concerned about. And he's saying, hey, I know you're Korean, so I'm going to ask you a question that a Korean would, you know, have an answer for. So I thought either he was doing that or, well, you know what? He was doing that and he was either thinking that he would say, be like, what? Why are you asking me that? And then proving that maybe he's not Korean. Or he would answer what blood type he is to prove that, hey, I know why you're asking me this and I'm going to answer it because I am Korean. So I didn't, well, I didn't know if the boss, if the guy had, if the guy was, I, I don't know. I, I guess I didn't know if the guy knew for sure that Solomon was Korean or if he was asking him the question without asking him the question. Um, I, you know what, the, the whole blood type thing, and maybe I'm getting this wrong for real, for real. 
but I link it to like asking someone their zodiac sign, you know, same concept. Yeah. Right. And it was, and it felt informal to ask that question in that venue. So to me, the guy was trying to throw Solomon off. Like he was going, I can see you. I think it was a power move, plain and simple. They got this, this, guy coming in from America that they didn't ask for that's being sent to them to close a deal that they couldn't close in house and he's Korean so he's in a space this, where that man yeah. was not that man is the minister of finance he's not part of their business he is he's like the connection so this is like you going to a networking good lord I couldn't get that word out of my mouth earlier networking it's a networking event being invited to this wedding was for networking purposes totally. It had nothing to do per se with this man being over him or whatever. Yeah. He is the minister of finances. So it's more like I am letting you know in this networking scene, I see these people over here. So if we're going to comparatively look back to the other guy who was Solomon's friend in school, I see these people over here. They're my people. I can network with them. I see you. Oh, okay. You're one of those. You're Korean. Okay. Yeah, I see you, but moving on. That's how I perceived all of that. I think that oh, makes the most sense. Oh, okay. I think that makes the most sense, yeah. Yeah, because I, I thought he was in some ways related to their business, not like in a general networking thing, but I thought maybe he was involved with them somehow. And so, yeah, maybe I just read that wrong. Yeah, I think, I think it makes sense that he was probably, he knew he was Korean and he was basically telling him without making a scene that, you know, I know, I know what you are and you may think you're, you know, you're wearing this suit and that you're so successful and high and high powered, but we know how things are over here. So I think, I think he was trying to kind of take them down a peg or something. Yeah. Chump them off. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Anything else to add any of you before we close this? Um, no, no, thank you for having me. I enjoyed the conversation. Thank you for joining us. We appreciated having you, our okay. resident reader. Right. <laughs> no, we so appreciate it because we chat all the time. So it's always wonderful to have other people come in and, and discuss. And we're sorry we couldn't include anyone who was in the room. We were trying to just basically let others listen to our conversations and our recording of this. So, But thank you for those who listened to the conversation. So again, this is Black Girl Soul talking about Pachenko. Look out for our future episodes. I am something else and Song Ray. Have a good one. Bye. Thank you so much for listening to Black Girl Soul. We enjoyed having you and please subscribe, like, and follow our Facebook page, YouTube channel, Twitter page, Instagram page, and join our Facebook group. You can also find us on Patreon. Please look below for links. See you guys next week.